Welcome back to Star Wars Escape Pod and uh, our reunion with uh, a previous guest that we had on the show, friend of ours from uh, the Book of Boba Fan, Fett fan Club, <laughs> uh, Jess, and she's uh, she's uh, been very very great uh, at saying uh, she'd love to come back and uh, you know we. Love chatting her last time, and uh, you know we have some follow-up questions we wanted to ask her about uh, her thoughts on the book of Boba Fett. Now that's all wrapped up on Disney Plus, so she's going to be jumping into the escape pod any moment here, and uh, we'll get into that in just a bit. Another happy landing. All right, we are in the escape pod, and uh, Jess, welcome back to uh, welcome back to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me back. It's good to see you both again. It is good to see yeah. you too. Uh, you jumped in at the right moment. I said to Blake here, I said, uh, you know, we should uh, we'll, we'll get the show on the road. That way, when she jumps in, we're uh, we're ready to welcome her in the recording. <laughs> yeah, it was extremely yeah. well orchestrated. <laughs> Super, pretty well timed. Yeah, yeah. So, how are you doing? You doing good? Yeah, pretty good, all things considered. How about you both? It's been busy. Yeah, it's been busy. Yeah, but yeah. That's accurate. I'd say busy as well. But yeah, things yeah. are good. I think uh, satisfied with uh, Book of Boba Fett finishing up here now. Just kind of biding my time till Obi Wan comes out. <laughs> I know, aren't we all? And where's that trailer? <laughs> I know, right? right? Well, oh, the, man, that's a good point. It's coming out so soon. They haven't put a trailer out, which is kind of nuts. Speaking of yeah. the trailer, I mean, have you yeah. guys seen like the rumors that that they're they're going to be dropping a trailer pretty soon here? Because um, I've seen some some locked accounts for social media presence with the the the, the handle at Obi Wan Kenobi, and they're <laughs> they're like verified or whatever accounts. But you know, they're I think they're just keeping them in reserve so that like day one they can just unlock it and then boom like the the accounts there kind of thing so they have one on twitter and instagram how was that not already taken <laughs> i don't you know, know. I, think, them. I think if you have enough money you can buy yeah. any account you need <laughs> yeah that's true i've oh, heard that man. done with websites where people will like uh buy a website domain in the hopes in the future it will be valuable and they'll someone whoever owns that will get like a windfall because some corporate like you know entity yeah decides yeah. to use that as their brand and then they have no choice makes sense club obi-wan yeah as we're saying <laughs> this i'm like putting putting a soap get it now while you can <laughs> yeah. that's right everyone's looking at their twitter like is ahsoka taken is <laughs> yeah i'm sure yeah. all that stuff was taken a long long time ago so they gotta probably buy each and every one back yeah no. so yeah this is it this is the uh this is the profile. So it, it's it's locked and it's just got a Star Wars logo on it and it's at Obi-Wan Kenobi 
you know, joined October 2021. So it's not that long ago, but it's just been sitting there empty, I guess. Maybe they just secured the handle and they just wanted the account, you know, they're keeping in reserve until they launch a trailer and do all their promo stuff. But uh, yeah. So would you guys say it's more official if Lucasfilm runs it or more official if Ewan McGregor runs it? Think, a Twitter account? Like, yeah. It'd be kind of funny if you and McGregor ran a Twitter account. Yeah, I think it'd be great. Yeah. He's trying to just play the character the entire time. Just role playing. <laughs> yeah, John Cena style. You know, he, he wore his peacemaker costume to every interview just so that people, uh, you know, got used to seeing the character. But um, yeah, Book of Boba Fett's finished. So, uh, you know, we were cu- curious. I mean, you know, we, 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 did, we did like a review every week and, we, you know, we've kind of throwing our thoughts out there to the internet and such. But, uh, you know, I, n- I remember we, when we chatted with you first time around, uh, you know, we <laughs> really interested in like what you had to say because, you know, you, you had you guys with the Boba Fett fan club stuff and yeah, you live and, and breathe it, right? Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what's so, going on the, the best here. Yeah, yeah. So- yeah funny. Yeah. It, interestingly enough, I had a chat with uh, three other members of the fan club, including Aaron, the, the uh, website founder. We had a Zoom call earlier today as sort of our postmortem, I guess, or or fan therapy maybe is a better word for it. But yeah, we were sharing our thoughts on it, and uh, so I, I kind of th- that was helpful, I think, for also having this conversation too, just to to get their perspectives on it as well. And that's great you know, timing, have, yeah. I, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess you can share a little bit about what they what they thought as well. What Aaron thinks of, course, of this whole thing? Yeah, yeah. of course. I mean. I, well, I am curious to know what you all think as well. I, but you all have already have your own separate opinions. So we'll get to that. In terms of my feelings, um, across the board, I think the show was a little uneven in terms of pacing and story. And I still walk away from the show wondering and feeling that just the motivations for Boba Fett himself were a bit weak and could have been executed a bit better. At the end of the day, I'm not like angry or upset about how he was portrayed. I, I'm not like thinking, oh, they should have never even made a show. I would never go that far. Um, could I could I have appreciated and enjoyed the character just as much without it? Yeah, I think I I, I, I don't think it it's it's made me more of a fan. It hasn't made me less of a fan either, though. So I think it would I, have to be pretty rough for you to become less of a fan. <laughs> I'm yeah, talking towers, <laughs> a Christmas or uh, like holiday special levels, probably. I probably, I guess, and I think the the quality control for Star Wars content is a lot higher these days. So thank goodness for that. But yeah, it's I have mixed feelings about it. I think there were some high moments. I think there were some low moments. There were some really awkward moments. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm I'm not like upset there was a show. I I think. Yeah, I think I am glad that there was a show. I'm glad Boba Fett gets his moment in the spotlight. And I think a lot of casual fans enjoyed the show. A lot of the people enjoyed The Mandalorian, enjoyed The Book of Boba Fett. And I'm I'm glad that that's there for people to consume and um, enjoy for what it is. Uh, but mm-hmm. as, a, yeah, as a Boba Fett fan, definitely had expectations. And I think a lot of fans had expectations because this is a character with pre-established lore and and canon before Disney took over. And I think we all understood as Star Wars fans that the canon was going to change. 
Yeah, um, but, but still, mm-hmm. I think your your heart is always in the place that you want it to be as close as possible. Yeah, if if you appreciate an aspect of a character that was told, you know, it, it, if there was a certain story or narrative arc or whatever, that, that depiction is going to resonate with you and it's going to resonate with you no matter what. And that's the case for me. I think it's the case for a lot of Boba Fett fans too, is, you know, we fell in love with this character initially because of you know, wow, he looks cool. But I think people who have remained Boba Fett fans are fans. Yeah, because he looks cool. But there's also something under that hard exterior too. There's, you know, a character with an interesting, um, you know, background, there's still a lot of mystery and enigma attached to him. And he has his own moral code as well, that I think resonates with a lot of fans too. So when you have those expectations, especially having, I think, you know, expectations that have have existed for many, many years, because some of the earliest books with Boba Fett, you know, go back to the 90s, maybe even earlier than that with some of the comics and in books as well. Um, But when you have those stories that you've been carrying with you for, you know, 10, 20 30 years and in, in, in the terms of um, the older fans who fell in love with Boba Fett through the action figure on the back of a cereal box, uh, you know, those expectations stay with you for a long time. And then you, you consume a piece of media like this. And so the bar is set really high and the creative, you know, the creative direction for that team, for that show, um, the creative team obviously had their own story that they wanted to tell. And, you know, they told that story, but they're not going to make everyone happy. And I think it's very clear with with even the Mandalorian and the Book of Boba Fett, there is, I think, a desire to be appealing to a, a broad audience. And if this show was catered to hardcore fans, hardcore fans would pay for the Disney Plus subscription. But would casual fans watch a show about Boba Fett, you know, just bounty yeah. hunting? <laughs> It's right. a good Maybe question. Not. And that's probably something that was talked about from the very early concepts. It's like, which do you want to go for? How are they going to get the biggest market? And it's funny how sometimes catering to the hardcore fans, you actually pull in more people as well too, right? Because they, they want something more serious. Yeah, I, I think it depends. And, you know, I think it depends on what like intellectual property property you're talking about. Um, like I work in video games and if you make a hardcore game that attracts to a very specific type of gamer, it does not appeal to everyone. And, you know, we have seen pushback from communities of players when a hardcore game does maybe make it more, um, you know, I hate, I don't like the word casual when applied to games, but if it's made, if it's something has changed about it, um, that alienates the core fans, we all in the industry, you you see a lot of pushback. Like it's a very common thing um, if you are at all familiar with the uh, video game space and and how audiences respond to it. So yeah, I think it, de- I think it depends. Blizzard over the last ten years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, MMO players are. I mean, gamers are opinionated, but I think MMO players in particular. But I don't know. I, I don't. I've never worked on an MMO MMO title, but um, but yeah, I think I think it just depends. Um, but I think Star Wars in general, there's been this shift for, I think, you know, almost everyone is a Star Wars fan, right? Like, it's actually unusual when you encounter someone who isn't 
a Star Wars fan or says, I haven't watched any Star Wars shows or I don't watch any of the show uh, films, right? Yeah, it's pop culture it's pretty, now, it's right? It's pretty rare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's true. It's, 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 um, I think I, I was trying to explain this to somebody else, you know, within the last two weeks, uh, that, that Star Wars is kind of elevated above being just a media franchise it's almost just you know it's it's almost uh even outgrown pop culture in itself it's all it's like its own entity of of a pop culture because it extends Star Wars is pop culture yeah because yeah. the thing is like with pop culture like you get you get these very iconic franchises in pop culture like uh like like jurassic park or or back to the future and stuff you know things that are just part of the the pop culture medium but Star Wars extends so much farther beyond all those things because it's a multimedia story initiative where there's we have stories being told across uh, video games and shows for for younger audiences and live action shows and movies and audiobooks and novels and comic books and like there's all these different things where which reaches different uh, different audiences right and so uh, it, it's almost like a like pop culture you you have so many ways into certain certain stories and certain franchises by going to the theater to see this or that or reading the uh the the tie-in comic book to this or that but uh it, there's so many ways to just kind of get into star wars you know and to a lot of people book of boba might even be their first experience with star wars it might even be their first show so i know what you're saying when it comes to trying to diversify who they're targeting here like the you know i don't know if the hardcore fans is necessarily the root of where they're going after they might just be you know maybe maybe their their goal or their agenda was to make a story that just connected with general audiences that was about this character and kind of had some nods to the hardcore fans but then in a wider spectrum was able to set up what they're planning for mandalorian because we had a lot of focus in this show on characters we've seen before in in, uh, in the last two yeah. seasons of mando yes right? we did yeah. <laughs> very surprising so i don't yeah yeah we I mean, can go back to that later we, yeah we can, we can go back to that yeah but um but yeah yeah it's 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 a it's a it's an interesting it's an interesting world we live in in which uh you know i think th there's definitely some things about the show that uh lived up to my expectations and then there's other things that sure didn't uh i remember something that blake uh frequently brought up a lot of the time was uh how uh how or maybe even darian mentioned it as well when we were chatting about episode to episode but uh, just how much, uh, I don't know, how much they tore him down as a character just to try and build him up again, which I don't know if it was the right way to approach the, the story because they could have done that with a different way of evolving that character rather than just making him lose every fight in every episode. Yeah, <laughs> You know what I mean? Like it was just, uh, I don't know, I think that part of it was a little much. Um, but like, It's tough because they were starting with this character is supposed to be like the best bounty hunter of the galaxy so obviously he's a super badass and really good at combat yeah but then every time we saw him fight he was always needed help to to win every yeah. single time he's supposed to be a, like a lone wolf so well, yeah, I don't, that I, to me felt very out of character and the fact that he seemed to progressively get worse as the show went on the, uh, <laughs> like he was better at fighting yeah. when he was fighting with the tuscans I, than he I was after what, yeah that's a really good observation because i saw a lot of people talking about that too and, and and among ourselves in the boba fett fan club too was that he just kicked ass on the uh, season two of the mandalorian right yeah he made, yeah. An, he made an entrance and everyone talked about it and he made a fantastic entrance even people who were boba fett detractors and thought like oh boba fett is overrated even 
I saw people chiming in saying, you know what? I get the hype now. He's he's fantastic. That and, was and great. And that was Robert's episode and then we, it, too. There was a bit of a backpedal, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because Robert's been getting a lot of flack for all the episodes that he did in this show were the least good ones, right? And, you know, it's kind of it kind of sucks to hear or to observe literally the evidence of that because he did such a good job in that in that entry, you know, in Mandalorian. And, and that was that was his uh, his his baby, right? Like that was what kicked started this whole show, I think. Um, but yeah, it just it just kind of sucks to see it kind of backfire in a way. Uh, yeah, so I'm just sitting here thinking about it, and it, it seems like they should have approached it more like the Marvel's The Punisher, where he's really good at like fighting and everything, but he is has more social like difficulty, like trying to so so if he's trying to build this crime syndicate, he should have struggled more to actually get people to help him. Whereas they kind of flipped it the other way around, where he was all about trying to do teamwork and was really bad at combat, which was kind of bizarre from what we knew of the character yeah and i think it's there was a there were a few gaps in the story and that was one of them and they did try to explain it with it was it could it's easy to miss but after after like episode four or something he came out of the bacta tank and his little droid companion says congratulations lord fett you are now fully healed and it it felt <laughs> It felt oddly gamey. I don't know. It felt, felt like yeah. something I would hear in a video Level game. Level up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you finished but, the prologue. Yeah, exactly. So, again, a bit inconsistent. It's still inconsistent, though, because we saw him kicking ass, taking names in season two of Mando, and even with the Tuscans as well. But then suddenly for him to be on that decline, that still wasn't fully explained very well right um even if they could have talked about you know some the long-term ramifications of being in the sarlacc you know how long was he in the sarlacc um you know but again we saw him in mando season two that was post sarlacc yeah, yeah but it, it makes me wonder you know if i'm really stretching it it's like is there something about being digested for a period of time that has symptoms that will flare up you know <laughs> eight years later or something like that yeah. or uh, even an easier know? solution is the the old eu he was dealing with clone cancer because he was a, a cloned person that's right his dna yeah. was degrading so that's right if they wanted something along those lines i would have been very much on board because i think you know anything cool yeah anything to explain that i would have been on board with that to see that make a return it even crossed my mind that you know because boba fett is supposed to be an unmodified pure genetic clone who doesn't have any of that age acceleration but what if at a certain point he did start aging rapidly like you said like clone cancer or just some kind of defect kicked in because mm -hmm. you know that's he, he's just not wasn't produced organically yeah, yeah exactly and that's an interesting side story to pursue mm -hmm. but no at least not now at this time <laughs> It would have it yeah, would have brought true. in some uh, some interesting story threads too because perhaps the cure to save his life exists within another pure genetic replication of Django, which, as we know, is Omega in the Bad Batch. Mm -hmm. That would have been a really nice tie-in. Um, and I hope we get there. If there's a season two, I hope we get there. Be, be, and that's like one of the most interesting angles of Boba Fett is that he is a clone of Django Fett, and none of that is explored in his own show. And mm -hmm. that was disappointing for me. There was those brief Camino flashbacks, which yeah. I feel which was, was very symbolic. Cool. Yeah. yeah, they were was, great. I, like I love them. And I, I wish that it had delivered on a deeper level. But to me, what those flashbacks were signifying was 
you know, a reminder that Boba Fett is a clone of his, of his father. So, mm-hmm. And it's a weird dynamic that no one else in star Wars has where they, where their yeah. father was a, a exact copy of who they themselves are. Um, but, and, and that has so many other interesting ramifications, right? Because we all know that clones like Rex fought alongside Ahsoka. Rex might still be alive. We don't know for sure. And, and so there's interesting things that could be, I think, explored, and especially with Omega. And I do hope they're saving that. I hope that comes oh, down man. the road. Yeah, if we had, like, old man Rex meet up with Boba, I think that would be a really cool interaction. Because last... Last we saw Boba interact with any of the clones, they kept referring to him as brother, as mm-hmm. they always do, and he was just determined to not be a part of like their family. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like, never really been touched on again since in yeah. uh, Clone Wars. Yeah, when one of the superior uh, clones, when he was just trying to go after Windu, uh, one of the one of the uh, uh, generals or something, one of the admirals aboard the ship uh, was was uh, he was like taken hostage, right, by Bosk and such, and and uh, he was like, hey, I can tell you're not like any other of the, those cadets, you know? Like, And he's like, I'm no clone, not like those two. And then he points to like the other two guys in the room, which are just older versions of him. And he's like really ticked off that people recognize that he's a clone and that he shares the same face as everyone else because he doesn't feel like everyone else. He He's the son of Django, right? Yeah, uh, so even exactly. though he's, uh, he's the body of, of Django and has all the same features, like he himself doesn't necessarily think of himself as just a clone. Like he knows yeah, he's more funny, than that. Yeah. That's uh, something that comes up a lot with twins, like identical twins. They start to feel like they're treated as one person instead of being an individual. Yeah. Like they're treated as like a, like a unity almost, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's interesting for sure. Um, There's all these things that we could have got into. I know the gears like... in my head are just spinning <laughs> right now. <laughs> We're rewriting yeah. the whole show in our minds. Uh, yeah. What did you cannon. think of uh, of the of the first? So the first episode was kind of like a. It was either a make it or break it. I feel like for a lot of people. Uh, but you know, personally, between the flashbacks, which I think was in either the first or second one, and and him climbing out of the Sarlacc pit from the from the get go, uh, I thought that was pretty cool, and, and and it certainly grabbed my attention. They didn't really go as far as to explain how long he was in there because they're they're very just they're just very vague about uh, the entire flashback sequences being this was before now and the time period between him going into that pit and now is about five years or six years or so at this point. So, you know, my question to you is like, was all those flashback sequences that told that story was that enough? And uh, you know, how did you feel when that that kind of kicked off and you climbed out of the Sarlacc pit? You know, all the way up until you know the train heist and just everything in that in that flashback segment of his life. Like, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think for the most part, some of the highlights of the show were in the flashbacks. I wouldn't have mind if the first season was literally just flashbacks of his times with the Tuskins. I think I saw other people chiming in on social as well that maybe the the pacing would have been better. It would have been a more cohesive story to tell setting up season two, but I think it was very clear that the showrunners also wanted us to stay in the present because they clearly had, they wanted to bring back Mando and Grogu as well um, to, I think, provide some content for everyone eagerly awaiting season three. So I did enjoy the flashbacks. I think coming out of the Sarlacc was definitely 
one of the more enjoyable ones. I think it was very validating for a lot of Boba Fett fans, including myself, was having that moment re moment recanonized because yeah. obviously we've seen that he survived in, from the Mandalorian, but we didn't know how. We reasonably yeah. assumed it was coming out of the Sarlacc with his bare hands and his, you know, arsenal of gadgets. So seeing that that happen and recanonized was was epic it was definitely a strong way to start off the show a uh, great scene visually i think the way it was shot i know i think a few a few few of my friends were like oh i wish it was longer i i thought it was okay i mean you know i don't know how long i necessarily need to see <laughs> boba fett you know struggling around yeah. inside of um a struggling in his stomach <laughs> yeah. yeah um yeah so i i enjoyed it in terms of the flashbacks overall though it I do feel there were a few things missing from that overall story that left me wanting for more. For one, um, the buildup to when he finally meets Fennec Shand, he, we, and I think that's maybe episode three or maybe episode four, I think episode four. When he finally meets up with Fennec Shand, we finally get the motivation that we've been wanting the entire show, which is, you know, why he's becoming a crime lord, why he has this sense of duty and protection over the people of Tatooine. And he tells Fennec that he's tired of seeing their kind dying. And I, I can get behind that. I think I can understand that for, for someone who's lived that for lived that life that mercenary life for most of their life as their profession seeing people that they've worked with die constantly his own father being a, a victim of his profession too and getting killed in the line of work as a bounty hunter i think that that does resonate with him on a personal level but then to just have it kind of delivered in a one-off like in a, a brief conversation with fennec left something desired for me personally i think if there was maybe a clearer buildup in the actual show to that that would have been stronger uh i think it would have been more clear and i, and I think that motivation should have been provide provided earlier because i don't think i was the only one there watching the show kind of scratching my head episode to episode up until that point wondering like why does Boba Fett want to be a crime lord? I do not get it whatsoever. Yeah, I think um, we talked about that last time we had you on because mm -hmm. we were comparing it to the EU where he eventually became Mandalore. And this is yep. like, oh, we now he's going to be a crime boss. And none of us could figure out mm. what his motivation would be for that because it was just, it felt so out of character for him and everything we knew about him. Yeah, even Cad Bane asked that question at the end. He's like, I don't, Boba Fett, I don't get your angle. And it almost like made me laugh internally. It was like, yeah, I think a lot of us are wondering the same thing, Cad Bane. Yeah, yeah. yeah actually, speaking of that, Cad Bane, now that you brought it up, um, you know, he's, he's a very uh, important, staple figure in Boba's life, you know, from, from his younger years. And uh, we, we didn't, of course, see the completion of that story arc in the Clone Wars where he was supposed to mentor Boba for a little while. Uh, but... Uh, you know, as as a fan of Boba Fett, I'm I'm sure that character has some sort of importance to you as well. Um, you know, did, was was he? Um, would you say that he was kind of justified? You know, in his portrayal and and stuff. Because I know there's some. You know, I personally have some gripes with with just the the look and and Aesthetics. I know that yeah, they changed the the voice a little bit as well. And 
just almost needlessly. And, and, uh, you know, I have my, my minor gripes. I was still really happy to see him, but, uh, well, but you know, well, Josh, just... you're partially ignored by that. Cause you yourself are a cat being a personator. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Not a very good oh, one. Though. <laughs> well, you can't, you, you cannot not show us <laughs> to hear the impersonation. <laughs> hey, Boba, what's your angle? <laughs> Hey, that's pretty good. Yeah. Man of many talents. <laughs> yeah, what's uh? Yeah, I mean, what's your angle on Bane? Like, what's uh? Like, you feel like he was he was played well, or uh, you know? I yeah. So based on like, I'm not the biggest. I, I guess you could. I mean, I like Cad Bane as a character. I think he's pretty interesting. He always shakes things up. So I don't, but I don't know much about his character beyond the Clone Wars. I don't know if there's much content about okay. him. All right. To be honest, you you would probably know better than I. But I was satisfied with his depiction. I will say because I have pretty much only seen him in the Clan Wars. I think his initial appearance did throw me off a little bit because like, oh, his face is like much longer in the cartoon. Yeah. But then the more I saw him, it grew on me. I think where the point I think when I go back and see him and say like the Bad Batch, I'll probably be like, oh, he looks a little weird. He looks a little yeah. off. Um, so the I think it, it grew on me and I think he fit within the, you know, the real world uh, depiction of, of what the character should look like. It, I think it meshed pretty well overall um, in terms of his depiction, though, in the show. I think, again, just a missed opportunity where he was kind of shoehorned in at the end. And I think having him introduced in a lot earlier would have, I think, created more tension, uh, potential for more storytelling opportunities, maybe even some flashbacks. Like if you're going to bring in this character who is potential was a former mentor of Boba Fett and is going to duel him at the end of the show, why not get like? Shouldn't the Lead audience care that. about that? And what and and use some devices to get us to care about that. Use some flashbacks. You know, they could have shown a yo younger Boba Fett with. I mean, like, you know, have T Tem, Tamora Morrison play Boba, uh, you know, We're erase, Daniel Logan. You know those signs yeah. of aging yeah. or just keep him helmeted the entire time. You know, a younger person in a suit of armor, keep him helmeted the entire time. You could still pull off those flashbacks, especially if they're more vignette style flashbacks where it's not mm -hmm. like a cohesive story like we saw with Boba's time with the Tuscans. Um, so, again, I think a bit of a missed opportunity. I, I appreciate that he was brought into... Uh, the live action Star Wars show, but I think it's just another example of how uneven the story was overall. You know, mm -hmm. initially they brought in the Huts, and the Huts were going to be the big bad. Then the next episode, they're gone. We have Black Kersantan entering, and of course he becomes an ally. But I think it's a similar problem that the prequels had, where there's a, too many villains, and this show had too many villains. There's the Pikes and the other syndicates and yeah, the huts, you name it. It just goes on and on. And the pike, the, right? The, the speeder gain is the, yeah, the speeder gain yeah, as well. There's just, uh, so I think it would have been stronger if we had seen maybe less of those other figures and more emphasis on CAD early on. Yeah, yeah, I'm, uh, yeah. That actually came up uh, when we were discussing the final episode. It was it was almost a question of this should have been the big lead up, you know, like him, him killing Cad Bane in the streets of Mos Espa should have been the, uh, the foreshadowed kind of moment. And, uh, you know, other than him using the gaffy stick to do it and he, the entire time he spent training with the Tuscans to master that weapon, which ended up saving his life in the end. Uh, it, it was still almost a matter of like this, this moment should have meant more. 
and uh, and mm-hmm. you know, and and I think a lot of people recognize Cad Bane for being a character, you know, from the Clone Wars and everything, and you know, he's made his appearance in the Bad Batch now, uh, but it, you know, it was um, he's had his other appearances here and there, uh, uh, you know, with comic books and 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 whatever on the odd occasion, but. Uh, to I think of people like Dave, who is who's one of these people that are running these shows, it just kind of blew my mind a little bit that we just didn't get more um, more villainy out of him. Almost, you know, other than just this guy that shows yeah. up, and it was a surprising. Uh, I didn't expect that at all, you know, <laughs> especially like the second last episode, uh, you know, and to make his entrance in a in an episode that was just jam packed full of cameos from like oh. everybody. Um, yeah yeah <laughs> but, but yeah yeah it definitely could have i think this could have been at least an eight episode season not seven and uh you know well could it's have... more like five because there's two full episodes that are devoted to the mandalorian right yeah so there's less time spent on boba as a whole and and it's almost it was just really rushed like the finale episode it just felt like that could have easily been two parts and that that western standoff in the streets was just like so I don't want to say sloppily done, but it was just, it was just not as epic as it could have been. And yeah. And then going back to what you talked about the fact that they actually put more time into the duel with, uh, the Marshall. Yeah. Cat Bane, the Marshal than they did with Boba Fett. That was a better, a better portrayed standoff. Yeah. 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 Mind you, Dave Filoni directed that episode. And again, not to diss Robert or anything, but you know, he did the finale, right? Um, yeah, and he did the scooter chase scene. You know that. <laughs> yeah, the well. the scooter. But a, a director has to work with what's written, don't yeah. they? Do yeah, they, they not? do. <laughs> they they do. Um, they do have to work with what's written. It, you know, it's just I think with the screenplay though, it's it's like a majority is like script and then general kind of like what happens, you know, in the main events of things. But then w- w- as a uh, as a director for 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 an episode like he's one of the producers of this show right so he has a lot more control over other directors that just show up for one episode at a time and he has the majority of the season that he directed so you know it just it just still just kind of shocks me um maybe maybe cad bane just wasn't important to him you know maybe maybe that was a a possibility um but yeah i think i think that whole thing could have been done a little better Still very happy yeah. to have seen him. Shame. I just always feel like it could be better if Dave Filoni just does all of it himself. <laughs> That's a lot of work for one guy. It is a lot of work, but I feel like he knows all the characters the best. Yeah, he does. Compared to all yeah. these extra directors yeah. that are coming in who have technical talent, but I don't think they necessarily understand the characters themselves as well. Yeah, and you he know. probably is the most, you know, the most, I think, of. Um, I guess adept in terms of the lore right. and everything. Yeah, yeah. I think he's the go-to guy, and I think he's there every day. You know, on set, kind of like a Lucas figure when uh, on Empire and Return of the Jedi, which is part of the reason why he just did the prequels himself. Because you know, even though another director's name is stamped on the credits, he was just he says this in Empire of Dreams, I believe, but he was just there, over the shoulder, every shot. You know, just basically telling the director what to do, and then it's like, well, you know. Why do I need? It, it may, aside from uh, other units that might be shooting other types of menial footage to um, slot in between sequences, just for the continuity of things and uh, unit B, C, or two or three, whatever you want to call them. 
uh, assistant directors that is like he I don't know he could have he could have done it himself and I think he just preferred that when he did his own films you know after uh, after episode four took a break went back to do the prequels and, and such but yeah I mean you know maybe maybe Dave is that guy these days maybe he's over the shoulder you know just kind of giving his guidance to all these directors coming in and shooting Star Wars shows but you know but with Dave's involvement though it does make me wonder you know we have Fennec Shand, who's met Cat, Cad Bane, none of that is introduced, like, none of that is played off in the show. It seems, mm-hmm. seems like a wasted opportunity. Yeah, um, I don't also, think she mentions him. No. Did she, but she does see him, doesn't she? Or is she gone before he shows up? I think she's, Only, she's gone. She's there. When, she, no, when she's Cad... there for the first interaction. Oh, yeah, yeah They're yeah. about to duel, That's and then right. they don't. But she's not there for the actual duel. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So, the, so I feel like there's some of that, that prior history just is never addressed. And the same for Boba Fett and Kersantin. They have met in a Darth Vader comic. They were working a job together. Yeah, they've so the crossed over quite never, a few times. Yeah, yeah. The fact that that's never acknowledged just feels a little odd. A same with Fennec and, yeah. and Bane. Um, you know, Fennec is also aware that they're like, from my understanding, you know, Fennec tried to kidnap Omega, right? Like she mm-hmm. not, um, kidnapped, but she was like, was assigned to, yeah. I guess, steal Omega and bring her back to the, uh, oh yeah, gosh, to the cloners. To the yeah, the ones, cloners. Yeah. Thank you. I was like, it's been a while since I've seen the show. Um, the, yeah, the, the, uh, the fish people, um, <laughs> the fish sticks um (laughs) she she was like so she must know the significance of omega but now she works for boba fett and never mentions like oh hey by the way like i don't know how long ago was it 20 years ago yeah something something like 20 25 years ago i I, I actually worked a job where i had to try to kidnap your kind of sort of sister yeah isn't that funny now i'm working for you like why is why is that never brought up you would think that that yeah you're right. You're right. And there tends to be a lot of that kind of thing when, when I think building a story like Star Wars in multiple different parts in the timeline, because simultaneously as this show was being done, you know, they're also planning to do Ahsoka. And at that point, before Rangers was canceled, there was that as well to, to consider and Andor, you know, all the shows plus Bad Batch, which happens many years before. They're also doing the High Republic Initiative, which is hundreds of years before and then, you know, they also had, you know, stuff going on with possibly, uh, um, you know, uh, post, uh, post-prequel post era. We have, you know, the, the whole Fallen Order era that they're kind of trying to build out, which is around the same time Bad Batch happens. So it's like they're, they're kind of building the structure within multiple different areas. And it's like, I can, I can I imagine it gets tricky. I an excuse to forget stuff that's happening within your own story, though. Yeah, well, especially when Dave's the guy in charge, right? <laughs> like, he's like, yeah. you came up with this stuff. Like, why is it not referenced here, right? Um, so, yeah. It seems I, to I, be a, a common problem in this in this series, though, because I know one of the first things I noticed that bothered me mm-hmm. is Boba gets out of the Sarlacc pit, and then uh, he passes out, and then the Jawas steal his armor, and then three or four episodes later, he's back trying to get his armor out of the Sarlacc pit. Like, yeah, no. It's... How did he forget that well, he needed it to get out? I think he was unconscious. My assumption he that was that he was the... like 
like did he think it just fell off of him while he passed out and rolled I, back in i tried like, to justify this jess I, i'll have you know i tried to uh i tried to do to come up with some sort of creative reasoning for for all of this and calvin and like both uh yeah <laughs> just uh, yeah, it's, uh, my my i mean if he maybe he his he just was so exhausted he just couldn't recall. Yeah, but, that, that was my but thoughts yeah, too. But, but yeah. you're totally right, though, because to get, you know, I, yeah, I, just to get out, he needed to, get to out, use he it. Did re- he did need the armor to like yeah. claw his way through the sand and everything. So. Yeah, when you really think about it, it just doesn't make any sense, right? Yeah, you it's, know, uh, yeah, it's too bad. That's hard. That's a that's a tough one to explain away. <laughs> it really yeah. is. So, I know it's it's one of the the major, I guess you could say, plot holes that like. Just, I couldn't. I have a hard time letting that one go. It just seems yeah. ridiculous to me. Um, you know, there was this. There was this crazy episode. Of course, we mentioned it uh, with all the cameos. Dave Filoni's very famous episode, bringing back Luke, Girl Goo, uh, you know, Mandalorian, even uh, Paz Vizsla, the armor. You know, just just freaking everyone uh, that <laughs> showed up in this episode. Ahsoka. Uh, yeah. When you know, taking a sidestep outside of Boba's story for just a minute. What was your thoughts when you saw that episode? Because it is an exciting episode to see um, when you're looking at the context of Star Wars. But I guess as a Boba fan, was it something that kind of the the uh, the amazingness of that episode, if you consider it amazing, uh, did that kind of outweigh the um, uh, the the I guess the the time that it took out of Boba's focus for you, or or was it just like you know was it worth it or? How did you like yeah, that that's, episode? That's yeah. a great question. I'm kind of um, looking back and kind of um, chuckling at the past version of myself because I do remember watching those episodes and I remember feeling on edge because I was like, this is great content, but this doesn't belong in the book of Boba Fett. <laughs> yeah. And it, made, it actually made it very hard for me to focus and enjoy it in the moment because I kept wondering, okay, when are we getting back to Boba Fett? You know, we left off on an interesting cl- cliffhanger. He says they're going to war. You know what's happening back at Mos Espa. Instead, we are taken on this side quest with Mando, a very fine, perfectly fine, interesting side quest. But in my head, I'm thinking I'm watching the beginning of Mando season three. Mm-hmm. I, I, this is not what I expected. There's a bit of a, a dissonance for me. Mm-hmm. And so I think if I, and and those and those episodes are the highlight of, of the show for a lot of people. And I think. If I and if I can objectively look at it as a piece of Star Wars media, though, especially the one w- with Luke and watching Grogu train, that was probably the highlight of the episode. Like that was interesting story and um, character interactions, and you know, growth for Din, who clearly you know has a has a lot of affection for Grogu. Uh, so that was that was interesting and. But I couldn't like actually re- relax and appreciate it while watching it. So I I do really need to go back and watch the show, and I think fully appreciate it for what it is. Yeah, yeah, no, that's. No, I that's think fair. that's more or less exactly how I felt about it, honestly, because like it was great story content, but it felt very out of place. Like I, I get that they wanted to cover the gap of what Mando was doing from when he said he would help to when he comes back, but at the same time. It felt like we're spending too much time away from what's going on with with Boba and what he's dealing with. They should have at least caught between the two. And the fact that I would even argue that 
maybe I'm with that like the group of uh, fans you're referring to, where it felt like almost the highlight of a Boba Fett uh, series wasn't anything to do with Boba Fett, which is kind of a big problem. That it is a it is a problem. I even have friends on Twitter who like tweeted basically, "How is the least interesting thing about the book of Boba Fett? Boba Fett?" And I was like, "Damn, <laughs> that's a burn if I ever heard one." Uh, but a valid burn, totally valid. Mm-hmm. I can so just imagine Robert, uh, Robert, um, uh, Roger Gez just looking at Dave and going, "Dave, you made your episode too good. <laughs> Tone it down. It's overshadowing my show." <laughs> yeah. But you know, they're they're a creative like collective unit. Rodriguez, Favreau, Filoni. You think there would be more synergy there, and it just it it does I think leave you wondering, you know, wh- why they made certain decisions. If they had a story where they wanted Din to be integrated, you know, why not just tell a more cohesive story? Yeah, um, and and go from there. It just I think it's just another signal about the, the some of the lost potential in this show, especially discussing some of the Mandalorian history. The Purge of Mandalore, um, you know, th- those could have been conversations that Boba Fett was a part of too, and I think would yeah. have been meaningful. Um, especially, with, I actually thought at one point that, um, like, if Boba had a chance to meet the Armorer, like, what kind of conversation would they have? Because um, you know, Armorer is obviously a, a very, uh, <laughs> very different with with yeah. her philosophy. She's a zealot, like, she's a zealot of that specific Mandalorian path that they follow. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think just um, what her thoughts would be it, with him wearing that, uh, that armor. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. yeah. And being it's a clone and also fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of interesting possibility space between all of these different characters that were thrown into the pot, but yeah. the overall like recipe that <laughs> the overall dish that came out of the pot afterwards was, I think, leaving something to be desired yeah for sure uh this, this brings yeah, me out to a, a topic that i said to blaze that at some point we got to do a recording do an episode of uh, just called star wars missed opportunities and talk <laughs> about all the missed opportunities that that could have been in in star wars because there's a don't lot do of it, josh there's a lot we just of got them. added to the google playlist whatever <laughs> so we don't want to get kicked off <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's um, it's 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 a uh, it's it, but it's it's a popular topic, right? Because uh, you know, another way to describe that would just be um, uh, you know, uh, f- uh, I guess maybe fan theories as to what what could happen and what might happen at some point in in a future show, and you know, hopefully, if Lucasfilm is listening to just fans, uh, they actually pull off some of this stuff, but. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was like me, like like many other people. That was my favorite episode <laughs> with no Boba Fett in it, which is sadly enough to say. Uh, but I think it's just because I have so much more um, more attachment to these other characters. Possibly, I think Luke being a really big one for me, uh, who was, in my opinion, not really well justified in the more recent films, and uh, this episode really really corrected a lot of that for me um it really kind of made a difference and uh at the same time trying to bridge that gap in a way that you know we're not fully decanonizing what they've done but it just kind of tries to smooth over that that gap you know uh between seeing him in return of the jedi to seeing him in the last jedi um and so yeah for me that episode was a huge a huge deal 
which was just a little more substance than than the really awesome cameo that we had in the end of Mando season two. And visually, just he looked so good. He was just uh, oh, it, it was such amazing. an upgrade. Oh Luke yeah, two point yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was just fantastic. So I was loving every second of it. And and there were there were there were moments because I rewatched it. Um, I watched it like two, maybe three times. And I paused it on these just random moments where you just saw Luke, and there was just it was picture perfect, you know. And and you can only kind of tell when he's talking a little bit, but but it was picture perfect. Looking at him standing next to Ahsoka. And it was like, this is a dream come true right here. Like, yeah, I mean, to, yeah. to see kind of gotten over the, yeah, uh, over the uncanny valley. Yeah. Yeah. And... Yeah. And, and, and I mean, I, I mean, I love the Clone Wars and, and I've seen that show too many times to count and seeing the son of Skywalker and the apprentice of Skywalker standing next to each other like that. Never saw it coming. Never, never saw them doing anything like this, um, you know, a couple of years ago. And, uh, and yet here we are. And so that's kind of the reason why it's my favorite episode. But um, as far as Boba episodes go, like, you know, the finale and the first episode to me were, were pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it is kind of uh, one of those questionable things. Like, should we just have another show for this kind of content? Or maybe they can drop, like, it's Disney Plus. They can do anything. Like, they can just make a short film and throw it on there. Think. and That would, would make think. sense. Like a Doctor Who style. Like, they always, when they do a transition between Doctors, they always do like a, a special, right? Yeah. So they could just do something like that. Like TV little... movie style. Yeah, yeah. TV yeah. movie style. Yeah. They, they don't need to make it yeah. like a theatrical Star Wars film. But yeah, I mean, make it a make it a TV movie. Like like I mean, they did they had the uh, Ewok Adventures, <laughs> you know, like Caravan of Courage, Battle Battle for Endor. Like there's that. Uh, I mean, I don't even want to mention the holiday special, but a lot of people, you know, they see that every year. And uh, uh, but, so, I mean, having like a really high quality content, like, TV movie on Disney Plus being launched as like a an hour long. This bridges the gap between this show and that show. This is the the season two point five, if you will, right? Uh, you know, I'd be fine with that. So might be a good a good spot for for content like that. Um, yeah, I think that probably would have been the smarter move, and then use some of the budget that they got back from that to fill in the rest of the Boba Fett story that we're missing. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I got a I got a question for you, Jess. Okay. So now that we've seen uh, the Mandalorian series and the Boba Fett series, the Boba Fett that we got, uh, comparing him to a Din Djarin, which character actually feels more authentic to the original Boba Fett? Oh, I'm sure you've seen this conversation already, then, because that that is something that comes up a lot when people talk when Boba Fett fans talk about the Mandalorian. So. Yeah, I think in a lot of ways, Din Djarin does exemplify a lot of the characteristics of um, Legends Boba Fett. He's a lone wolf, um, a few words. You know, even in the, the Legends comics and books, he was not taking off his helmet frequently, which we, we saw um, the opposite of in the Book of Boba Fett, which I'm like okay with. I didn't think it was terrible that he had his helmet off. That's also like a prequel verse, uh, like original trilogy thing, right? So, because mm -hmm. yeah, we didn't yeah. know what his face was before the prequels. Yeah, yeah. So there's, you know, a bit more rationale for that. Um. So yeah, but I guess just to answer your question succinctly, like yeah, Din has a lot of characteristics that are shared with Legends Boba Fett, and um. 
and to see that, and, and that's been a point of contention for a lot of fans, quite frankly. Um, I think there, what, what we were talking about earlier today on the Zoom call with a few of the, the folks in the Boba Fett fan club, someone raised, you know, if you had swapped season one of The Mandalorian and probably season two with Boba Fett instead of Din and get, give or take a few changes here and there, probably you could have told that story with Boba Fett. And there is concept art from Mandalorian that had Boba Fett in the concept art. Now, maybe that was just a decision because they hadn't fleshed out who the Mandalorian was going to look like yet, but it does leave you to suspect, like, maybe at one point there was, uh, maybe initially they had conceptualized a show around Boba Fett and then decided for whatever reason that was too risky and they needed to start with a blank slate, you know, someone without the baggage that Boba Fett has, you know, the fact that he's a clone and, and whatnot. So, yeah, there's a lot of similarities there. Um, I think there's still a lot exemplified by Boba Fett in the book of Boba Fett that rings pretty true to the, the Legends depiction. When he took out that train smuggling spice, I actually thought that was one of the moments in the show where he resonated most strongly with the character from Legends. Again, I, it's been a while since I've read the books, but there's, I think, a, a short story in Tales of the Bounty Hunters or uh, Tales from Jabba's Palace. But there's a story where he, you know, took out a crime smuggler and he had all this spice and he just he took his flamethrower to it. He burns the spice because Legends Boba Fett was straight edge. He was not into drugs, not into, mm -hmm. you know, uh, premarital sex, any of those things that a lot of, you know, vices that a lot of people have. Uh, he was very much against that. So when he, you know, he took out the spice train and confiscated their spice, it was like, yeah, that that almost seemed like an homage to that story where he uh, destroyed the spice because he disliked everything that it stood for. And that was part of his moral compass was that, you know, things were for Legends Boba Fett, things were very much black and white. You know, if you know drugs are bad. Um, you know, you know, they're bad for society and, and so on and so forth. Yeah. And I guess there was no um, middle ground. I guess, I mean, he didn't destroy any personally other than Cobb Vanth kicking some into the dust. But I guess his whole uh, in this show, his whole motive was really getting rid of that that trade in uh, in Tatooine. Mm -hmm. So I guess I guess that concept kind of remained true. Uh, would you feel that the character was con? Uh, uh, I guess from a continuity standpoint, looking back at the other content that he's been in uh, over the years, you know, Clone Wars, some of the comic books, uh, stuff like that. I felt it, it kind of deter. It was a little, a little different than some of the more violent stuff that we've seen from him in the comic books. Mind you, the comic books tend to be a little more exaggerated, obviously. Than, it's a different than, audience too. It's yeah, a very different audience. Totally, totally. Um, did you feel though that it was uh, kind of in the ballpark at least, or did you feel that this depiction was like kind of wildly different than than uh, than what you were expecting? I think it was ballpark, but leaning towards. I mean, it's definitely a, a departure for the character. But I think, and I can believe that departure. I can, I can believe, like, I can, I'm willing to, you know, take it into consideration. Well, he fell into a Sarlacc. He almost died. Like, he had a near-death experience and probably not his only near-death experience. And so maybe that was the straw on the, the Bantha's back that mm -hmm. led him to turn over a new leaf and say, you know what? 
um, like he tells Fennec, I, I'm tired of seeing our kind die. I don't want to die prematurely. Like, I'm willing to accept that, but I think it came down to the execution, and that's where I still struggle to mm -hmm. understand. For example, like, his time with the Tuscans, like, it's very clear that he formed a connection with them, but I feel like that time was, in terms of telling that story, was cut a little too short. He wasn't treated very well initially by the tribe, right? He was right. beaten. He, was, a he slave. was chained up. He was a slave. He wasn't treated very well at all. And in order to prove himself, he had to, like, kill some horrific sand monster. And he could have ran right then and there, especially with the way he was being treated. But he decided to just kind of go in, you know, join the fold, join the tribe. And it's still like, I still struggle to understand that a little bit. And I, I mean, I, and I'm not against that because Tamora, his heritage is of the indigenous people of New Zealand, the Maori. And that was something he talked about in telling that story with the Tuscans and that the Tuscans are the indigenous people of Tatooine. And that's a story that resonates with his, with his heritage. And I thought that was awesome. But on the other hand, in terms of that making sense for Boba Fett, I just, I just don't know if I, I really get that. Like I would, I would think that for a character like Boba Fett in, in terms of how he's acted in legends, with that armor being so important to him and his identity, I would think that would be the first thing he would set out to do. And we still don't understand how he came to find out that the armor was in, in Din's possession. Right. And that was something they could have told us, but decided not to. And I feel like that's another missing piece of the puzzle is why exactly did Boba decide to stay with that Tuscans for the period of time that he did? You know, it, why does he feel indebted? Like... Why does he feel indebted to a group of people who held him hostage and treated him like property? No, that it's a good point. Yeah, that never really like, felt clear to me. Right. And I, f I felt like there's several small changes they could have done to alleviate mm -hmm. a number of those issues. I, I think so too. Like, they they could have, but it's. I, I feel like they they wrote a script, but then didn't question any decisions that they made. Yeah, and like um, I don't know if maybe it was because they were trying to write it all at once, and they or they wrote the episodes out of order. But even things right around uh, the time of the story of what you're referring to, when he first tries to escape, he tries to help the Rodian and get the Rodian to join him. Well, at this point in time, he's supposed to be really selfish, so it didn't. Already, they're starting off with the character not feeling like Boba Fett before yeah. he becomes more of a, a family-oriented character. Yeah, that's true. So that's true. Just changing, maybe using the Rodian, like uh, setting it up so that maybe the, the Rodian takes the fall while he tries to escape, and then adding a scene where uh, he and the Tuscans actually need to work together to do something. Rather than him yeah. just beating the monster and then suddenly being freed and then joining them. Yep. And then adding a, uh, he wants to leave to get the armor, but something's going on maybe with the Tuscans and he has to make the choice and he decides to stay with them. It's just adding scenes like that and then the whole thing would just become so much more cohesive. At least that's yeah. my opinion. No, I, I think you're right. I, I don't think anything that I'm critiquing would take like a dramatic rewriting of the show just give us more context give make it more believable that you know boba fett decides you know what it's not worth it trying to find my armor i'm moving on i'm you know i'm i'm looking for a new way of life a new lifestyle and i found it i found it with this group of people the tuscans um, 
and other than having him go on the like the vision quest journey when he had you know the lizard up his nose like yeah. even that it was, you know i don't feel like that provided the the bond that would have i think provided more substance and made it overall more believable and and then to your earlier question about some discrepancies in the characterization I really wanted him at some point to just shoot some of the people who were being just quite frankly, just being major douches to Boba Fett. Like there was that character Peel, I forget his first name, something Peel, Lortha Peel. Um, That character was super indignant. I wished when he like, when he confronted them out in the streets, when Boba Fett offered a job to the mods. I wish he just shot Lortha Peel because that guy was just so irritating. Oh, it's the water like, guy. Yeah, the water guy. Okay. Legends Boba Fett just would have shot that guy. But instead, he gives him money. He gives him money. <laughs> uh, he gives him his, hard, his hard-earned credits. And then Mok Shai's the mayor. Like, at one, some point, that guy is just stringing you along. Mm-hmm. Just, I don't know. Sh- show, the, show those characters that they need to respect you. Set an example. Yeah. I don't know. At least shoot a warning shot or something. I think, I think it all yeah. goes back to that statement about ruling with respect and, and not with fear, right? But I, I agree. I, it doesn't really, at times, it almost feels like a complete, uh, almost too harsh of a 180. Like, it's a, it's fine to evolve characters like that, but it, I think it, it was just too fast of a transition, right? And, yeah. And, yeah, and it's not a practical place for that either. Like, if he's going to be, uh, like paying people whatever like deal, deal with the problems try to bring in the modders like there i saved you now you guys can like work for me or whatever that wouldn't work in a place like tatooine where everyone's so schemy and just waiting to you know get the upper hand like yeah, i would have yeah, thought yeah. then that both sides would just immediately betray him here's one thing that i keep on thinking back to is in the first star wars volume uh where where he's hunting down luke skywalker uh for you know darth vader's mission for him uh, for Boba, that is. And, uh, you know, Darth Vader basically says to him, I, I, I want the name of the, the, the pilot who blew up the Death Star. And this is the same crossover which he first meets Black Chrysanthemum and he has his own mission going on. But, uh, you know, he, he's in this uh, in this cantina. I think he's in the cantina in, in Moss Eisley. And uh, there's this farm boy who he's questioning beating to a pulp on a table for the answer that he's looking for which is basically where can i find this this guy and i guess maybe he's like a friend of a friend knows luke through somebody else from just small town style you know and uh, he basically just tells tells boba where he can find um the homestead that he's looking for and as as he's exiting the the canteen, he shoots he shoots this kid on the table who's oh gosh, not posing yeah. any Comics threat. Boba right? is ruthless. <laughs> yeah, and and this is canon material here. Like this yeah. is kind of this comic was done after the Clone Wars depiction of Boba had kind of already gone down a road of this guy's not just a villain. Like he's kind of turning into this maybe an antihero but a likable guy, right? Uh, with you know with the uh, honor <laughs> and uh mm-hmm. there's this farm boy that he just kind of just straight up murders in front of the whole place just for the reason yeah. of don't tick me off i'm a bounty hunter respect me kind of thing like, i think that's the only motive that he had and uh it, it was just kind of like a it, it was a very stark comparison it was like comparing black and white here and that event's not supposed to be that far down the road it's all this is all, only like uh maybe 
10 years at the very most, um, which is, you know, not a whole lot of time when you're comparing those two contrasts. But uh, yeah, you know, I felt like at times when I think of those kind of moments, it was a little different, but um, I don't know. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I think it just goes back to like, it's not, I don't, I don't think it's outside of the realm of possibility to make the, the pivot that he has. Right. Especially after several events, like almost dying and, you know, uh, getting exposed to different cultures or uh, different ways of life, um, you know, falling outside of that, that career that almost ended his, his, his life. Um, I don't think that's outside the realm of possibility, but I think the execution of it, like you're, um, it, it does leave you wondering exactly how how has he come how has he gone from that hardened killer essentially to mm-hmm. i am a man of the people i want to rule out of respect and never ses- uh, second guessing himself the entire mm-hmm. time after everything just keeps like failing yeah yeah but i think and i think what it comes down to is that the showrunners clearly wanted to take someone who's popular like boba fett but for him to be a, the star of the show he has to be I guess likable like he has to be a hero um, my only life. caveat to that though is the logan movie with wolverine it was fantastic and but this yeah but this is disney we're talking about <laughs> yeah <laughs> right you can still be able to take like well, okay then let's just do the the old original x-men trilogy wolverine and that like that's for a younger audience mm-hmm. and wolverine and that is still this anti-hero who's like really hardened, but he still has that sense of honor, right? So you can just kind of take the same concept, but I don't know. I don't know. I... Yeah, I think that's fair. That I mean, I think you're, that's fair. I, I think I would have liked this show more if he was still more of a anti-hero, uh, you know, rough around the edges, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I don't mind Boba Fett occasionally showing some humor because people are multifaceted, right? You could still be a, a killer and a badass bounty hunter and crack a few jokes here and there, but and there teach were Tuscans I think... how to ride speeder bikes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> become a meme. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but I think like the the incident in Jabba's palace where there's like a little robot and robot like clearly the little robot guy is got a bit of the upper hand and Boba Fett's getting frustrated and then he like knocks him out or whatever and is like I am Boba Fett and. It's just so, it's just so silly, right? Yeah, it's it's that, definitely that, that slapstick felt, Disney humor yeah, that got Disney thrown in, sure, yeah, but it, it yeah. doesn't gel very well with a character who, like you said, murdered a, a farm boy in cold blood just a few years prior on the very yeah. same planet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, I, I think I think you put it exactly there. Is this, this Disney slapstick? It's not even just Lucas slapstick humor, which was just very kind of background. Ha ha, nobody cares, you know. This one, it's just like up in your face and it's like cheesy dialogue or, or maybe, there's the, maybe the way it played out was just didn't agree with my stomach. But yeah, when he says that to a droid of all places, I was like, really? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it didn't agree with me too much. What about you, Blake? Yeah, as far as that scene, it did feel a little Jar Jar Binksy, I guess. But yeah. I think we're all on kind of the same page. I wish they had kept closer to the original Boba Fett that we had, the the, the gruff Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. I felt like the transition was too much and it didn't feel natural. 
which is more or less just yeah. rehashing what we talked about for an hour. But it's that yeah. is the root of the problem. What what was uh, Aaron's thoughts on this? You know, because um, you mentioned you had a Zoom call earlier earlier today with with the with the team. Um, uh, what what were their thoughts and uh, anything specific that they really loved and and maybe things that they and we spent a lot of time on things that we don't like. Um, I'm sure they share some of the same opinions, but uh, yeah, what were things, some things that just stood out from that conversation? I think Aaron, I think Aaron had brought up an interesting point, and I think we were all in agreement that ultimately the creative directors, uh, the creative team of the show, I think had a certain story they wanted to tell, but fundamentally didn't understand the core character of Boba Fett. And I think we would have had a very different show if the showrunners really understood that character and his history. And, you know, this is, and this is a character who has been retconned before, interestingly enough, right? He, he had a history prior to attack of the clones and then attack of the clones came out and suddenly Boba Fett is a clone. He had a father. He was once a five-year-old, a 10-year-old boy who cackled like a little maniac in the cockpit of of his father's uh starship <laughs> yeah <laughs> so and and that that presented i think a, a bit of a retcon for prior material but still early enough in the star wars canon was it where i think it wasn't hugely disruptive and you could even weave in some of boba's previous backstory into the new canon but you know, essentially Boba Fett has been retconned with the Disney acquisition and those legend stories um, falling, you know, into the legends category. Now, granted, the comics you're referencing are published under Marvel, which is, of course, owned by Disney. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are still elements of that, I think, of that prior characterization where, you know, things are very black and white. Uh, the job comes first. Um, his reputation often comes first as well. Um, and that reputation is about being the best bounty hunter in the galaxy, essentially. Right. Um, I think what Aaron, I think what we had talked about in the, on that call was, yeah, I think we would have gotten a very different show if, if people kind of understood what really was appealing about the character beyond just here's someone who looks cool and yeah. does cool things and has a jetpack. Um, mm-hmm. And so unfortunately we didn't get that version of the show. We got a version of the show where they, I, I think uh, clearly they wanted to bring in certain characters. They wanted Cad Bane. They wanted, you know, they wanted Ahsoka. They wanted Luke. They wanted Din. They wanted Grogu. And they random needed huts to, and, yeah. <laughs> they random huts and they still needed to tell that story yeah i don't know it's still a little baffling to even think through and try to rationalize because the show has some of the most awkward pacing of a show i've ever seen not just boba fett's story but 2.5 episode mando 2.5 just being cut into the middle of it Um, there's some very interesting creative decisions made Uh, maybe one day we'll get to hear about it at star wars celebration Um, but you know it is what it is it's a show it's not the worst show I've ever seen. It's, it's not. The, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it, it didn't meet my expectations either. Yeah, right. no, that's that's fair. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was sitting here trying to think of the parts that I really enjoyed, and the only thing that comes to mind immediately is just watching Bobo just gun down those bikers from Slave One. <laughs> that was a very satisfying moment. I got. <laughs> That's probably my favorite scene of the entire. Like, that was a great <laughs> scene. That was a fantastic yeah. scene. I think we needed more of that. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, because that felt like Boba. That felt like something he would do. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Are you? Absolutely. Are you? And I know, I know something that peeved Aaron was the fact that. Boba didn't destroy the Sarlacc. It was technically Fennec because she deployed the, um, the yeah. Sonic. It's always yeah, Fennec. She, she deployed the, yeah, she killed it. And I think that upset Aaron. This is the finale off. too. We're talking about uh, Fennec. Fennec was also the one who killed off all the all the other crime bosses in town, you know? And, and that was yeah. also a bit of a shock because because we spent all this all this time over the course of the show leading up to Boba versus these other people. And then, yeah. in like within the last thirty seconds of the last episode, we just had this scene where boom, 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 and then Fennec just kills all of them, and she's, she's Batman been, because yeah. it's almost like, oh, this is what she's been doing in the absence of this massive battle that's taken up twenty minutes of this episode, and then, uh, oh yeah, that's where she went off to on her speeder bike, you know, just motored off to the next town just so she could kill these dudes, and it's like, okay, uh, that was a really quick. Why couldn't that have been done in the beginning? Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, or, I, mean, as... I mean, we're talking about Boba Fett, who's a, who, you know, pre- previously, I guess, was a bounty hunter. And, and you know, th- it would have been interesting to have an entire episode to try and track these people down, maybe one at a time. And uh, I, Blake and I made this comparison to the first season of Arrow, where, uh, where we just, you know, there was one episode, it's like, this guy has a full episode, gotta hunt this dude down. And it was exciting, and it was cool, and... And then that show became a springboard for all these other shows that just kind of, you know, and then and then it got boring and it got a little convoluted. And now I think uh, that's happening a little bit with these shows. Like, yeah, Book of Boba Fett, and then boom, a whole episode geared for just launching off the next shows or or whatever, right? And not that I wasn't happy yeah. with, uh, yeah, and and I mean, seeing all these returning characters gets me really amped and excited. But but you know, I can also see why it's a bit of a it's a bit of a ding when it comes to a a, a show that's only got seven episodes to tell a certain story, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Fennec had a lot more killing going on than Boba did. So, yeah, I was just gonna bring it back to that. I've, now that you mention it, I do feel like if they had just had Boba do Fennec scenes, where instead of her being the muscle, he just was his own muscle, that would have helped a lot to make to allow him to feel like Boba. That would have made a huge difference. Yeah, I didn't mind. I think Boba took a back took a back seat to Fennec a few times, but I didn't really mind that. For one, I think the actress is phenomenal, and she oh yeah, deserves she's to be yeah. you know a bit of an equal um, in terms of uh, screen you know lines and screen time. And I think there was an interview where Tamora even said, "Oh, I kept giving her my lines because Boba Fett should be speaking less, and I want to be speaking yeah. less." And he was offloading lines to. Um, Oh gosh, Ming 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 Na Wen, yeah, yeah, Ming Na, yeah. He was yeah. offloading lines to her, and I, I, I don't mind that. In fact, I, I kind of support that because it's like, all right, yeah, you know, it makes sense. Give, give her more screen time. He, She's a great character. Yeah, and and he also kept on he he kept on saying so on some press interviews. He said Boba's not supposed to talk that much. So anytime Dave or or John left the room, I would I would try and not say the lines. <laughs> yeah, I think that was the same yeah. interview. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree with all that. But I just I guess the point I was trying to make is I wish Bobo did more of his own action. Like Yeah. Right. I don't know. You go well cuz he does stand around. He does stand around a lot, you know, and just kind of 
talks and his other people do. I mean, he's supposed to be a crime lord now, but yeah, no, I, I think, I think that's fair, Blake. You're right. He was, he was depending on the mods. He was depending on Fennec. Uh, yeah. Even black Black after he hired him. So it, it was a little, I think a little clumsy. It's like, okay, he's this, you know, badass hunter. He's got all these mm. gadgets. I think this is where, and all of that uh, is kind of explained away with uh, the fact that he was healing in a Bacta tank yeah. for most of the episode <laughs> for a reason we quite don't understand. Right. Yeah. No. I, and I think uh, I think that's that's perfectly well said. Like like I think this all goes back to kind of my wish that the show was a bit longer because because then we would have had more time to kind of focus in on these other things that we would have wanted because I don't want to take away from characters like Fennec, you know. Um, you know, she's a great character and, and, uh, um, I can see they're trying to root this character a bit more in the canonicity with her appearances in the bad batch and, and such. And, um, it would have been nice to have, you know, just seen a little bit more, uh, action from Boba whilst not taking away from other characters. Right. Cause it was cool to have those characters and, and their moments and, you know, they got to have something, right. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's definitely yeah, like, uh, yeah. I'm not saying take away all of it for sure, but more just the the I guess some of the some of the really strong story point yeah, moments yeah. because we see him fight, but it's always in a, a soldier kind of warring action. We never see him like hunt anything. Right. Whereas the scenes where pe- like the uh, villains are being hunted down, it's always Fennec. Yeah, 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 totally. Um. Are you hoping for a season two? <laughs> I would like a season two. Yes. And I think I think I've expressed a number of things I'd like to be explored in season two. So for that reason, I hope we do get that. I hope Boba Fett gets that chance. I almost feel like the line at the end of the season where him and Boba, sorry, Boba and Fennec are talking and Boba says something like, you know, I'm not really sure I'm cut out for this. It almost gives me hope that maybe he decides to go back to bounty hunting or do something where he's going to be a little more interesting. Because um, yeah, what is what does he do now? Now that you know there's there's peace and prosperity, is he just going to kind of retire in the palace with the with the feast um, surrounded by, you know, uh, the I think you'll the take decadence of it all. The, yeah, that would take a pod racing. Yeah, it's going to become the... Uh, the Boba Boon to champion. Eve. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> uh, well, that's that's a great predic- prediction. I look forward to seeing that. <laughs> Can't wait to see a pod racer painted in the same color scheme as uh, the Slave One. Yeah. <laughs> you guys have any uh, any last-minute things to say on, on Book of Boba or anything anything you're hoping for for the next show? I guess that would be for Boba. Uh, I'm just curious where it's gonna go. Yeah. Because like, yeah, it's just saying like, what's next? Um, look at I'm looking forward to Mando season three. <laughs> yeah, that'll be. That'll yeah, be nice. yeah. I I am too. I I think um I I think Boba will will be back, especially as they explore more of Mandalorian history and culture. I do want to see Boba Fett be a part of that because well it doesn't look like it's going to work out for him to be Mandalore like he was in the old canon. I still very much think he has a part in that story in terms of what comes next for the future of the Mandalorians and bringing these disparate groups together. Uh, You know, Din's group, Bo-Katan, you know, bring these different parties together and unify them. And I think 
Boba Fett himself, although not identifying as a Mandalorian, it is part of his heritage. It's part of who his father was. And I, I hope that can be something he comes to recognize because um, Mandalorians, you know, it's all about being a foundling and it's not necessarily about who you are or where you're from. It's that you're, you're taking on that culture and you're a member, you're accepted. And I want Boba Fett to be accepted and to recognize like that's also part where he can find family like he found family in the tuscans he's found i think found family as well with his you know the the teenagers he's adopted and <laughs> fennec and yeah um and i would like to see that maybe carry forward to him i think recognizing that the mandalorians could be part of his family too and i think yeah just being part of that story with din in terms of the unification and yeah, the, the next generation of Mandalorians. I think that's actually a really good point. I never considered that. But that actually does make sense in the idea that he could become Mandalore. And this was him more or less having a dry run of mm. being a leader. You know, I hadn't. I actually hadn't thought of that. Because I really did think the showrunners are setting up that role for Din. But let's that's just say... That's what it seems like. But yeah, he's also... But Sorry, he's not also not showing uh, being a leader, right? As in, yeah. like, everyone's grouping around him and he's trying to uh, do leader characteristics. So the main reason why it seems like it's him is he's got the Darksaber. That's true, which would be really interesting because that would mean Boba and Din would have to fight each other and Boba would point. have to win. <laughs> yeah. So that that could be really interesting. I, I wouldn't... It would be interesting. I mean, it would be an interesting story. I, I have to say, I... I wouldn't want them to, to fight and, and be in conflict with one another. But as much as I would dislike seeing that, I think it would be an interesting story and it would be a bold direction for the show to go in. I'd watch it. I'd watch that. Yeah. I, th I think, <laughs> yeah. We, I think we would. Cause I think something that we all can agree on is that maybe this show is just a little too safe. Yeah. It didn't no, really do anything sure. bold or right. Ex uh, you know, particularly novel. I guess maybe the wildest thing was Boba riding a Rancor. I appreciated that. <laughs> yeah, that, that was, was enjoyable. Cool. That was not something I would have conjured up in my head, but seeing it on screen was actually pretty badass. Yeah, yeah I agree. It's like the ultimate fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, I forgot to ask you, now that we're closing up, we'll just get your quick response. Uh, what do you think of Grogu now being a, a, basically brought in as a foundling and possibly be, just being a Mandalorian? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think I I'm a little torn. I think it's I think it's what's probably best for the show and telling Din's story cuz clearly Din is on a, like a similar path to Boba where Grogu is his found family and they're clearly going to do a lot together and achieve a lot together. Um, on the other hand, I I felt I did kind of assume with Grogu being dropped off uh, to daycare with Luke, I did think we were going to go at least a season without Grogu. Yeah. And we would have seen more of that character development of Din, like maybe struggling or finding his purpose, uh, even just a few episodes without Grogu. But as soon as. So we're not left with that tension or that wondering. Like they're already reunited before season two, three even officially starts. It was so a I guess fast we'll turnaround. Yeah, it was sure. a very fast turnaround. Extremely fast. Um, so mm -hmm. I think it ultimately makes sense. And even if they had given it more time, it would have happened regardless. But it just makes me wonder if the showrunners got nervous about Book of Boba Fett. And they're like, oh, we don't have enough 
you know, material to tell this story. So let's bring back Din, let's bring back Grogu and we'll tell that story here and we'll, we'll generate more views. People will extend their subscription to Disney plus, um, you know, just, it just, it just kind of make, like, that's the more cynical side of me. Just yeah. makes me wonder, so you know, what kind of, what kind of things were they worried about at the business level or yeah. you know, Disney plus subscribership level the that money, led the them to side, make certain yeah. decisions. Yeah. Like, we got to sell Grogu toys. How do we wrangle them back in? <laughs> How do we sell the same action figure with a new card back? <laughs> That's right. Grogu, but now with chainmail. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Grogu with an additional <laughs> accessory. I just can't wait till he's got full Beskar. That's what I'm excited for. His little green ears poking out of a oh, Mandalorian helmet. That'll be really cute. Yeah. I look forward to that too. <laughs> Cool. Well, um, Jess, thanks so much for popping back on here and uh, and chatting with us. And you know we have a good time. So uh, you know, hope you hope you enjoyed uh, our little chat here. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. Anytime. Thanks yeah. so much for having me. Oh yeah. You no, know, fingers for... crossed. I'll be back for season two of the Book of Boba Fett. Or yeah. yeah. Or, or even Mando. Yeah. Or even Mando. Yeah. yeah be, if, if Boba makes an appearance there, or you just want to guess for Mando, feel free to. Oh yeah. Totally. Well, I'll hit you up. Yeah. Cool. Cool. All, All right. right. Great yeah. seeing you both. Have a Likewise. great night. Have a great night. Bye. Bye. All right, Blake, is there any uh, any last minute things you want to bring up before we wrap up here real quick? Just that I'm now really excited to see the duel between Boba and Din Djarin and see how Boba gets the Darksaber and becomes Mandalore and look, the EU is canon all over again. You hear that, Lucasfilm? <laughs> <laughs> We're calling your plan right here. Yeah, yeah. We figured it out. That's right. Spotlight's on you now. Your balls in your court. <laughs> this is what the people want. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, uh, well, uh, you know, it's uh, it's been a crazy time with uh, all this Kenobi buzz. So, you know, you can expect uh, uh, we'll be we'll be chatting a little more about that in the coming weeks. We got a few what happened episodes to do at some point with uh, with some characters that showed up in, in the Boba finale which uh you know we'll, we'll cover those at some point as well probably um, worth also doing uh what happened to obi-wan yeah, fill yeah. In the comics speaking of which there is a comic book coming out very soon mini series that's going to tell a story that pre before the kenobi series takes place so that's going to be really cool but anyways we'll catch you in the next one keep flying All right, and thank you all for tuning into the show. As usual, our social handles, email, voicemail link are all in the description of this podcast episode. The best way to help us out is by leaving five stars, a nice review, and sharing this podcast with a friend. Until next episode, may the force be with you. <laughs>